This is John Stepling, and this is Aesthetic Resistance, and this is podcast uh, 14, I think, if I have that number correct. And with me uh, from New York City is Hiroyuki Hamada, an artist and uh, essayist and painter and sculptor and um, uh, absolutely terrific artist, by the way. So hi, Hiroyuki. Hi, uh, John. Uh, uh... Very happy to uh, talk to you. Um, yeah, me too. I, we've been trying to do this, so I'm I'm happy we finally got to. This is May 17th, by the way, which in Norway is a very big day. This is Independence Day here. Huh, and, wow. Yeah. So normally, normally on May 17th, every town in Norway uh, has a little parade and you know high school bands come out it's all very 1950s america actually um and it's kind of kitsch and it's it's sort of sweet and it's really fun actually in the smaller towns like where we are um and people dress in traditional norwegian outfits which have regional characteristics and that's all kind of fun as well and and the kids dress um, in traditional children's attire for this event. And um, this year, of course, because of the Corona uh, COVID-19, uh, you can't have grouping still um, of more than 50 people. Things have returned to normal by and large in Norway, but but wow. you can't have these. You can't have. Um, these parades and it's all very sad and and we had some friends come over to barbecue and sit around but um i think everybody feels a little morose because uh norwegians take this this holiday kind of seriously uh -huh. and um it's it's singularly unfestive this year anyway that's that's kind of my segue because hiroyuki and i have talked a lot um in social media and in different platforms and writing to each other about art and um, politics and and the effect of, um, of of you know social transformations and, and and how they impact one's creative output and stuff and we just before I started recording today we were talking about the and I I don't want to forever talk about this but it's kind of unavoidable that that we talk about how quickly so much changed with this coronavirus um, um, event. You're finding that, of course, you're in New York City. Well, I, I'm actually not in New York City, but I'm in uh, uh, East Hampton, uh, the Long Island. So it's uh, a couple hours away from the city, and uh, but we do feel um, the sense of. Uh, urgency that's been um, talked about <laughs> everybody talk yeah. about it i mean you know when we do have um, stories uh, personal anecdotes and uh, 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 but at the same time we do hear uh, contradicting uh, stories as well and uh, we, we um, but 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 the thing is uh, once we have uh, under the uh, codified rules um that's what it is we you know you yeah. can't do this you can't do that you can't um uh, you relate to people in certain ways so when that happens uh we are basically um under the uh this thing and yeah it, it's so strange because 
I um I I read the the prime minister um of Norway made a statement the other day because they're going to open the border to Sweden pretty soon and that's a very long border needless to say and mm. there's an enormous amount of kind of both official and unofficial trade with Sweden and Norwegian shop in Sweden so they can get their tobacco products much cheaper and but there's a lot of a lot of things and a lot of Norwegians own summer cabins in in Norway I mean in, in Sweden Norwegians like to go there for for the summer sometimes and um, so people were, were very happy this was going to be lifted but this Prime Minister made this statement and said well you know we're gonna open the border to Sweden but uh, you still can't fly out of the country. You can't, you know, take your holiday in Thailand or something. That's not, you're not allowed to do that yet. And Norway is a beautiful country. So, you know, you, you can perfectly well holiday here at home. And I thought it was like they, she was talking to children. <laughs> you know, what happened? Like, I know Norway's a, a beautiful country and I know I can holiday here if I want and I don't fucking want to. I wanted right, to go right. to, you know, somewhere else. Right, right. And it's like a kindergarten teacher. Um, it, that's the strange thing about the sort of the aesthetics of um, the COVID event, putting aside, right. you know, the, right. the political... Uh, well, just... I, well, right. I mean, you know, the, the dumbing down of uh, culture and... Um, Everything <laughs> comes yeah. with the uh, uh, draconian measures, and uh, when when the structure have something to hide, people, <laughs> you know, have to yeah. be a um, little dumb, and uh, and that's encouraged by how educational system is um, uh, cultivated, and um, uh, the culture itself is cultivated to. Uh, go toward that direction. And so when the crisis happens, I guess uh, things are amplified. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we are children. Yeah. Well, you were talking about, before we were talking very briefly about the way in which people, so many people have willingly gone along with this, not just, I understand obeying the rules, I obey the rules, you know. Right, right. Um, there's, there's a risk to not obeying them and, and that's the way it is. So, but, but, but critiquing it, but people are not doing that. They're not questioning it. They're right. questioning. They're questioning people who question it. Right. And right. that's what that's what baffles me a little, and what I, I think I found very unexpected, really. Right. I, I, that's the the degree of uh, authoritarianism. It, it's pervasive and deep. And uh, when something like this happens, people uh, feel the urge to say that, no, 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 I'm not against it. I, I'm with the authority, I'm, I'm fine, you know, I'm, I'm not doing anything, you know. Yeah. Um, and also, when that happens, uh, uh, people don't like that either, you know. <laughs> so the, 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 the anger and the frustration is gonna be kept within us uh, instead yeah. of against the authority. So uh, it's a very, very, um, uh, clever mechanism that we have um, attached to the uh, this authoritarianism. Um, I mean, there, yeah. there is a fear of a uh, virus too. <laughs> yeah, no, people are people are definitely afraid of it, and and it's not you know it's not. I mean, it is real, and and if right, you're older, right. you should you should take measures to protect yourself, I suppose, and all that. Right. But but I think that 
this thing that 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 interests me, and I'm going to try to segue into the art part of things here. But the thing that interests <laughs> yeah. the thing that interests me is is um, the the way in which people don't want to question the official narrative that that somehow and that's why you you see so much of the propaganda coming out so much of the the stuff coming from the government and so forth and the media which is an organ of the government like the mainstream media things about the heroism of doctors and the heroism of nurses and you know the sacrifice right. of these people and all this stuff um so that uh there's a kind of sentimentalized uh part of the narrative that 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 uh pushes this this um respect for you know the the heroism of these people and even though you know much of this is fictitious but they push that because it then provides a, a way to condemn those who question it you know, and people be all this this righteous indignation in which people say, "Oh, you don't respect the nurses. These people have sacrificed. So and so has died. My cousin has told me this. My cousin's boyfriend's uncle told me." Da, da, da. And and it's um, it it is a it that's the cleverness of the mechanism. That's the cunning wow. of the mechanism. I think is that you are provided cover um for for not questioning it you are you are validated for maintaining the the master illusion somehow it's right it's, it, i mean it, it's it, it, uh uh it is a lot like 911 um it's it's yeah. sort of uh i keep thinking about it because i'm close to the city and um uh the heroism of the uh, the firefighters and uh, uh right. law enforcers and uh, all those things i mean it's true People died, and uh, it's a there are tragic stories and um, um, all that. But but at the same time, it, it's just um, it's a device to uh, um, bring the, uh, the the dynamics within the populations, um, the victims and victimizers, and uh, heroes and uh, um, the uh, uh, the villains are all in among us instead of. Um, Yes, Structure. yes. It's, uh, yeah, it is a very, very clever uh, mechanism and it, it pays. It's, uh, um, uh, it, it, everybody goes along with that. It, uh, money, the institutions, they have interest to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and then the fi my final thought on that is that I realized, because I was reading some social media thread, and that, that people are terrified of. Um, being called a conspiracy theorist. What? <laughs> I should have. I should have said something about 9/11 before I uh, <laughs> went dive in. Yeah, it's what reminded me. I forgot it. <laughs> um, right. No, I mean people are absolutely terrified. Terrified. Right. They want to make yeah. sure you understand they are not conspiracy theorists. I right. may have questions about this and that, but I am not a conspiracy. It's yeah. like, and and the funny thing is that. That and of course we've both talked to Corey Morningstar, the great journalist, um, about this because because she is called a conspiracy theorist often. Right, outrageous. You know, and here all she does is is provide factual research. That's all. Right, she does. You know, right. 
that's yeah. an interesting thing because what I mean, she has provided so many evidences, evidences after evidences, and people tell her that, well, why don't you keep it short? <laughs> you know, <laughs> those evidences are necessary because people are so skeptical. She yeah. came up with this layers and layers to build this um, narrative that's countering the uh, the narratives that's provided by the. Uh, establishment so it's uh uh yes it's uh uh very disturbing well she she um you know what i've said this before and, and she talked about that you know that that what ends up being a kind of class analysis by corey because she's talking about the very rich and the corporations and the way in which money influences you know government policy and so forth um that really points up the class um, divides and, and the class inequality and so forth. Right. And that's what has come to be called conspiracy theory. You're not allowed <laughs> to point out that there are classes, you know. <laughs> right, you know you're, right. from, you're from the underclass. Don't be a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I mean, that's virtually right. what it's come to. Anyway, so you, listen, I, wanna, I just want to talk a little bit about art. Those of you who do not know Hiroyuki's work, you should, um, you should Google it and look it up because um, I wrote very briefly once about it on the blog. It's very good work. Um, it's, it's serious work. And um, how did that all start? You were born in Japan, yeah? Uh, I grew up there and uh, 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 pretty much suburban, um, uh, uh, right next to Tokyo. Uh, my parents had a house. Uh, my, my dad was commuting to uh, Tokyo. So um, that's, that was my environment. And uh, when I was 18, I, uh, we, um, we moved to the U.S. as a family. My, uh, my father had a job. And um, so um, I do have background uh, as a Japanese person. I speak Japanese and read. And, um, um, but um, also, I, I've, I've been in the U.S. for um, over 30 years. So... Um, I consider the U.S. as my home, and uh, I have my family, and um, uh, and the art, um, the art part all started in the U.S. I um, I think um, I was in community college, and uh, I took a few classes there, and uh, a couple of art classes, and I remembered um, I was a sort of kid who would be spending hours and hours uh, in my room just making things, drawing, painting, and all that. And, uh, uh, but the thing that, that was significant was that I met a teacher who was also a working artist, and uh, he showed me what it is to say something with visual elements. So that was really shocking because I had no idea. I, I, I liked, um, using my hands, making things, but I didn't know that this visual thing is as prominent as like music, literature, movies, and all that. So um, I, I think uh, the fact that I got that shock later in my life, uh, it really, really affected me. It's like getting measles, you know, where, where you are. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. It's interesting, because we, I, I was talking with, you know, Guy and, Zimmerman and Chris Rossi and I had a, a piece on writing and 
And um, there is that moment for, for most of us who end up being artists in quotation marks. And you see how uncomfortable I am saying I'm an artist. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't help it because I know, I know it's a, like a, a pejorative term now. It's a bad term. And I always, I, there's this reflex, it's unconscious in me and I hear it. So yeah, I'm an artist. And then, <gasps> you know, I'm not supposed to say that. It's like saying, I don't know, you know, that you do something bad and immoral. <laughs> Well, for good reasons, it's been, uh, um, I mean, the, the history of art is basically a history of capitalism as well. It's, uh, it's um, uh, I mean, I shouldn't really generalize it that way because there is a... No, but it's, it's I think it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you know, what we do, I mean, as an artist, uh, we strive to go beyond the um, capitalist framework and see through what's essential as human beings. So um, um, at the very basis of um, uh, what we are looking at is uh, it's about liberation. We, it's about uh, reaching toward what it is uh, to live. So um, uh, when we think about what capitalism is, uh, it's, it is uh, opposing force, uh, it can. Yeah. But the fact is, just like anything else, any, anything that's um, potentially threatening, potentially uh, destructive to capitalism has been co-opted and uh, shaped and framed within the framework. So it's, uh, um, it is it is tough to uh, 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 talk about art and. Uh, well, I know that I know that you know Chris and Guy and I were speaking, and we're talking mostly, not entirely, about theater. And of course, when you when if you're a writer and you end up in Hollywood, you know going into that that this isn't art. This isn't about art. Mm -hmm. Art may emerge almost accidentally as a byproduct. <laughs> Right. Uh, you try to you try to create preconditions that might allow that to happen, but by and large, you're bought and paid for, and you do what you're told, and and you get a paycheck, and you get a big paycheck. In fine arts, though, I think it's it's much more complicated, and it it has changed over the last forty years quite a bit. Um, and and uh, the this is where you know fine arts, MFAs become very interesting and going to the right school, making the right connections, having the right gallery owners or right agents or all of that right. uh, becomes a very significant thing. Yes. I mean, I don't know your experience with that entirely. So that, that's totally the elements uh, in, in terms of uh, the uh, art world. Uh, uh, it's, it's totally uh, dominated by the, uh, uh, capitalist elements and the networks of uh, uh, NGOs and the institutions. Um, um, but at the same time, it's, it, it is, um, uh, just as you talked about um, uh, abstract, abstract expressionism and CIA in your uh, blog, there is uh, um, fine lines um, between uh, art as sincerely a uh, good thing for humanity and also the force to uh, utilize it to yeah it's uh, it's a difficult uh, thing but at the same time anything is uh, um, 
think I'm well, ignored. It's, well, it's, you know, it's the, the, the abstract expressionist thing. I've wrote about that twice with the CIA. There's something in leftists in particular that feel it's like this gotcha moment. Ah, see? See, I never trusted that art. And turns out it was a CIA, you know, mission. To, well, and that's not what happened. And, um, and the shame of that, that reflexive kind of um, uh, dismissal of the Abex painters is that those guys themselves were all leftists. They were all sympathetic to socialism. They worked, donated money and work for, to the civil rights movement. They were most of them immigrants um, and, and uh, did not go to prominent schools, didn't come from rich families. They were almost all of them working class, you know, um, worked in, in the garment industry, you know, I think it was de Kooning was painting, you know, um, uh, storefront windows for a department store. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, Gottlieb was, I believe it was Gottlieb was, you know, exiled and, and came here with virtually nothing in his family. Um, and so it's a shame when, when those guys who were very sincere um, artists right. uh, get labeled with this, you know, as that somehow they're collaborators with the CIA. Right, and, right. And it's, and, and it's not true. Um, but right. but you touched on something that that seems interesting to me, which is that, and it is apropos of that that story, is that um, is that if in fine arts it is very hard to um, make a living. You know, you got to sell your work, and so you have agents and owners and gallery owners, and you you try to get shows and and so forth and so on. Right. Um, and and. You one hopes that that structure doesn't influence your work, right? I mean, that's that would be one's hope, and probably it does to some degree. But um, I know it was Jerry Sachs wrote that essay, Zombie Formalism, about you know they're all paintings, abstract work, it's painting had started to resemble one another, each other. It had all started to look a certain way, be a certain size. Mm because that size fit the, the big walls at the, you know, uh, uh, the, the conference room at the, you know, the CEO, the bank. But, uh, Jerry Schultz? Uh, Is it Jerry X-ray. Schultz? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, huh, right. I mean, that's, uh, that's something I think about all the time. And, um, 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 but the thing is, I'm uh, at the front line, basically. <laughs> yeah. I'm fighting with this um, thing, which is uh, work in the studio. And uh, it is an interesting situation. I mean, you just do what you do and uh, you hope that uh, it comes across. That's as much as I can do as an artist. But aside from that, I do want to be conscious about what's going on. And um, that's why I write about it, I read about it, and um, I am interested in uh, discussion like this. And 
it is a difficult situation it, uh, on personal level it is difficult and also if you are working with institutions art institutions it is a real issue uh, how to get funding and how to be viable in the community as independent organization and um, um, we we hear about the failures all the time and um, um, and I, 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 and I understand that uh, this is a very, very important topic and um, uh, people who are involved, people who are uh, collaborating um, should be called out. But at the same time, uh, I also understand that uh, this is a real uh, uh, struggle. It's a difficult yeah. thing. Yeah. No, go ahead. It, 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 it's it's um, it's something that I think is a is a very a very complicated struggle. You know, right, um, right. Mm -hmm. Because you're not just if if I'm a writer and I think, well, I'm writing this play and and I'm doing it, um, knowing that I'm not going to make a lot of money and knowing at this point in my career, uh, institutional theaters very likely not going to pick it up or you know so i may get a very small production and you turn to doing things like these these podcasts we're going to have radio plays podcast plays coming up very soon uh that's what you turn to you try to make use of of you know oppositional materials somehow right. um but i but when i do the play when i write the play and by the time i'm done with this play um, and the last play, and I'm still not done with it, it took me much, much longer than normal I, I, to, to finish this play. And I think part of the reason was I kept second guessing what I was doing, thinking mm -hmm. what kind of, I'm, 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 I'm not, this is not, I'm, I'm, I'm somehow corrupted. This voice isn't mine. This voice is, I'm, I'm doing something that is feeding this whole system of, of, um, oppression and, and, and injustice, and I'm not giving voice to that part of me somehow. I'm not inventing a new form. I'm not, I'm falling into traps, uh, you know, but writing's different, you know, writing's different. And it, it's, there are more, um, just as, as music is, is different and, and all, you know, film of course is, is the most mediated medium in terms of mediated by capital. Mm -hmm. um, but sculptor, sculpting, um, and painting, uh, you know, that's, uh, it's mediated in different ways, I think. It, it's, it's, you know, you, you either, how do I want to say, because you see a lot of young painters come up and they find their brand, right? Right. They find they find a look and they repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. Variations on the same hook, variations on this brand. And you can go back to Ab X and say, well, but didn't Barnett Newman do that? You know, and he, he had his stripes, you know, his zips, I think he called them. And then he just riffed on that. Yeah, but it's not, but it's a little different. You know, you can say, well, Morris Lewis had this, you know, he poured paint on an unprimed canvas so it would soak in and he poured it from the edges and it was all about this peripheral um, 
thing that you see instead of looking directly forward and blah, blah, blah. And he riffed on that over and over and again. Yeah, he did. And maybe that was the front edge of the problem already was there 50 years ago that, that these guys were flirting with this beginning of a brand, of forming a brand. Hmm. Um, when I look at your work, I think, boy, it's pretty brand free. You know, you have certain shapes that appeal to you um, and, and, and certain, a certain color or absence of color um, that actually feels very Japanese to me. Mm. Um, but, but it's a, it, what interests me in your work, if we can talk about that for a second, is that the tactility, the tactile part of those, um, the black and white uh, pieces that I'm thinking of that, you know, have sort of patterned, um, there's a minimal barely seen kind of um, pattern that almost looks like a, you know, the craft geek in me um, thinks it's like casting metal or something, you know, you see that fine line, but it's there, it's not there. How does that all feel to you? I mean, what I'm saying, I mean, what does that seem like um, in, in terms of, of, of this struggle with not, not being a brand, say, you know? Well, I, well, I, that, that's, that's, uh, hmm. I, I don't think I, I've uh, thought of it that way because it's just hard to get things out. <laughs> yeah, no. And, um, um, I'm not even there to evaluate a certain mode of uh, outlets uh, are capitalist and others are not capitalist. And uh, uh, to me, it seems like um, I'm standing on a colonized situation everything is colonized and um, yeah. we all use uh, tools of colonizers um, and everything is um, uh, arguably um, um, within the framework of the uh, uh, colonized realm but at the same time does that mean we don't have the right to be, you know, right. You know, we are standing on this land. Um, it's the empire, and uh, people tell you if, if you don't agree with it, you can leave the country. Um, you know, if you don't, um, um, you know, buy into this or that, you you don't have the right to discuss. Um, 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 you know, if you're an environmentalist and if you drive a car, you, you, you know, you are, right. you know, that, yeah. so that, you know, it leads to that kind of uh, reactionary uh, argument of um, um, if you're working within this, you, you are not uh, this or that. And uh, um, if you're talking about art, um, the, the art museums are funded by the uh, <laughs> those organizations and uh, galleries are uh, funded by the collectors who are connected to all those industries and all that. And 
so it's a uh, it's an impossible situation. It's <laughs> but we have this amazing moment when, as an artist, I'm in the studio. I work with materials, and the materials get together, and uh, this. Uh, elements of unknown come down and um, something happens and I feel it. I feel as a human, there's something more than what we perceive. Sometimes right. there is something. And that that something, um, I don't think the capitalist hierarchy can take it away from people. And that's that connects to who we are as a human and what it is to be part of nature and all those things. And um, so it's a very, very uh, precarious situation, but there is something to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't, I, it, it, it is, I think that there's no escape finally from um, if if you're an artist and you think, okay, I'm going to create this, whether it's a play or a sculpture or a painting or whatever it is, um, and I'm going to uh, uh, do it, and I hope that it's a, a sincere work, and I hope that it has a certain um, autonomy and and um, legitimacy, and that it's not pandering in ways that I'm unaware of and that it's not somehow an invitation to corporate appropriation or whatever it is. I'm hoping all those things and I'm trying to be aware of all those things. Um, and ultimately you can't finally really know that. And I think finally artists are not the best judge of their own work anyway. Right. But, but <laughs> um, yeah, but I, but, but I think that, that within that whole process, you're never outside of it, the, the society that you live in, right? I mean... Well, and, and also, I mean, we were living in a society in which uh, uh, people like Martin Luther King, uh, who was demonized and uh, killed at the end, are praised as civil rights leader. Um, but all the, the other things are uh, sort of uh, truncated him being a uh, revolutionary and um, uh, against uh, momentum of capitalism and uh, same thing can be said about uh, Malcolm X and uh, um, you know be, be things commodified I mean Black Panther Party is commodified um, we have a movie and um, so it, it, how do you get away from it it's <laughs> you know it's yeah. Uh, well it's yeah it, it's hard but I think that you know, I mean, the funny thing is with the, like the Martin Luther King and the famous, you know, the great example is that they finally, you know, this big sculpture was was created that's white. And they, <laughs> right, right, right. Giant white, avuncular looking, um, non-threatening um, MLK. Right. And of course, that's what's going to come out. So it's like, how do you create work that resists that appropriation? I guess that's the question, because that's the first step in... Um, in, a, in a kind of resistance. Now, I know, you know, you... I met you a while back and... Um, you, before you had started writing political essays and stuff, um, 
and then I know with some reluctance you you started doing that because you were a little concerned about about um, you know just that what would the response be um, with people you knew and worked with in the arts and I, I mean I know what that you know I know what that is and there's a lot of people in Hollywood and the institutional theater and stuff they just think I'm a raving lunatic now I'm sure I don't know that for a fact but I'm pretty sure um, and I know actors, you and I both know a couple of actors who, who just don't use their real name, you know, because it would kill their livelihood. You, you can't do it. Um, but you did use your real name and you wrote some stuff that was, um, I thought, really excellent and, and uh, but not probably going to be wildly popular in certain circles. Did you feel any pushback on that stuff? I, I do. I do feel... Um... I do feel it in uh, on a personal level, um, uh, friend relationship. Um, I, I have uh, awkward moments with uh, people I I I know, but at the same time, um, uh, it really depends. Uh, uh, but at the same time, when we talk about actually uh, myself as an artist in the uh, uh, this. Uh, cultural sphere, uh, I, 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 I do wonder. I, sometimes I think uh, it's affecting me. Uh, and sometimes I, I don't really know. Um, but in general, I, I'm a little bitter about that. <laughs> um, um, but it's, it's hard. It's, uh, I don't want to be, um, uh, point out about myself and um, uh, talk about uh, myself uh, uh, on that regard because um, I don't want to be selfish about. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I get, I get that, but, but I'm just curious. I'm sort of being selfish in a way myself. I mean, because I'm just curious what um, you had a show recently, but it went well, right? Um, well, it's really, um, I, I mean, I mean, I'm happy about, um, showing and, uh, I appreciate people. Um, well, you know what? I, I did suggest doing a show, um, with, uh, some of my writings incorporated uh -huh. and, um, uh, that didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> that was, um, um, and I felt, I felt that it was, uh, it was just impossible. It, it, it was, um, the people I talked with demonstrated that that's not gonna, uh, do any good. And, Interesting. Yeah. So I, I, um, um, wow. I mean, I, if I look for evidences, I can, uh, come up with a good argument that I am being compromised somehow because of what sure. I said. But at the same time, it's, uh, um, I mean, if I have a time to talk about it, uh, I think I feel, I feel like I should uh, uh, explain why. Um, because the, the, the whole uh, momentum of myself doing this, it, it, coming from the fact that, um, if we live in this authoritarian 
structure, we will destroy the momentum to create art because mm. everything has to stay in the framework. And that's a fear. I don't want that to happen. And this is, um, this goes with the fact that people in art world seem to uh, have a hard time understanding what's going on. So, um, right, right. Well, but I think that, see, but I think that's, it's really interesting because as you were speaking, I'm, I'm thinking about all of the social distancing stuff that has reached absolutely surreal levels right. now. You know, right. baseball issued a statement about, well, the, you know, players can't spit anymore. So I guess there's no more chewing tobacco in baseball. And it's not even any bubble gum in the game, no. And, um, in, and in Hollywood, they're shooting the, there's two features that are, that are underway and, and these elaborate mechanisms to keep people six feet apart. It's, <laughs> it's almost like a comedy. And there's a doctor on staff and people's temperatures will be taken. We're monitoring the distance. There's color code. We're working in different quadrants farther apart than normal. And, uh, and I'm thinking, my God, you know, um, this, is, this is now becoming a kind of weird, you know, um, uh, kabuki, uh, you know, a, a pantomime of, of, the, of the hidden morbidity in, in the society that, that is usually hidden is now finding expression in these bizarre new rituals and, and practices that are meant to be mechanisms of obedience. But since none of it's quite real and since it's not like, it's not like bubonic play, you know, it's not like you really actually have to worry about it. If you see a rat, you would be terrified. No, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a moderate virus that targets the old. And otherwise, you know, if you're, if you're middle age, you have like a 0.18% or something uh, chance of dying, which is, which is pretty acceptable as, as viral infectious outbreaks go. So I'm thinking about your work, which is so tactile and sculptor is, sculpture is so much about the presence of the piece that you have to see it in person you have to walk around it and um and the the sense of of um the promise of a certain kind of feeling and touch and tactility that goes with it uh and suddenly we're in a society that it seems to be trending towards um uh, demand that people stay further apart and more alienated and distanced from each other and people are willingly accepting this you know um, what does that mean for for the artist what does it mean for somebody like Hiroyuki Yamada who makes these kind of works that right that's interesting that you mentioned about that because uh, uh, yesterday uh, uh, the uh, local uh, museum uh, was asking me to do a short uh, clip uh, describing what it is uh, to be an artist uh, in this situation. Uh, uh, I guess they are archiving um, a bunch of artists, uh, 50, 100 artists uh, talking about these things. And uh, um, the, uh, I was working on doing the clip with my wife and uh, <laughs> I was trying to articulate uh, what it is. And uh, one of the things, um, I was talking about is that is the fact that 
when we walk in the studio, we have real materials and the real uh, interaction of the materials. And, uh, um, th you know, those things are not uh, considered um, online. We don't have any of that. And also this um, social distancing and uh, the way we are relating to um, others, uh, how the society work, uh, totally displays um, ourselves. And uh, when we don't have the context um, of as social beings, I think we also lose the sense of direction. And that's, that's a scary thing as an artist who depend on, um, how do I say? <laughs> Wholesome, you know, uh, process of making that uh, involves everything. Um, right. right. It, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, very um, disorienting thing. And I am having very hard time working in the studio because of those uh, uh, two things. I'm, I'm sure there are other things too, but. Um, yeah, I, you know, this is, I think in, with all the podcasts that we've done, especially the ones talking with, with writers and now with you, um, and we've talked about theater and film a lot, but, but um, the, 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 one of the recurring questions is, uh, is that there's a lack of an audience, the kind of audience we want or the kind of audience we need and so what do you do? Do you, you know, you, you engage in a long process that tries to educate an audience or, or create a discourse, because I don't want to sound, you know, like I have the answers and it's this arrogant sort of like hubristic, but, but I think, I think in the United States, certainly, but see, it's true other places in different ways. Norway, for example, is, um, doesn't have the population density to sustain art movements. It's mm. too far to travel from one place to another. There's not enough people. They had a kind of Renaissance fair sort of festival um, for a couple of years, not too far from where I am. And they had to give it up because there weren't enough people. It's too hard to travel those distances. Um, the weather is often really severe here. And so they, they gave up. So it doesn't sustain art movements. It's not where that energy goes in Norway goes to other things. Um, I remember when I lived in Thailand, the genius of the Thais goes into their food. Their cre creativity goes into food. That's right. the genius of the society. Mm -hmm. The rest of, yeah, the rest of the society, they, they kind of just borrowed and did mannerist versions of, of Chinese art by and large. Mm. But, um, but I think in the US now, I know that the audience that, I remember from the 1960s and especially from the 70s and then with my own work in the 80s um, when I sort of first um, broke through, uh, that audience is gone. And uh, uh, I'm not sure where it went. Some people died, some people gave up, some went crazy, you know, maybe more went crazy than I realized. But, but there isn't that interest and it's harder, it feels, I know that when I'm in the States, it feels harder than it used to, to go see something. Oh, somebody's doing a, a theater piece over at Blah Blah Theater. 
do you want to go? And I think, oh man, you know, that's going to be a 50 minute drive if there's no traffic, but there's always traffic. I'll have to leave two hours early. It costs to park. There's never enough parking. And then the ticket's kind of expensive. I don't have a lot of like, you know, discretionary cash with me because the trip to the States costs money. So blah, blah. That kind of logic, that kind of reasoning goes on with everybody. And pretty soon they stay home. It's just easier. And they watch something, you know, they watch Netflix. I don't know. But, but that, that social, um, closeness, that social intimacy that helped fuel any art movement you can think of, whether it was the surrealists or the abstract expressionists, or whether it was the off-off Broadway people, or you know, whatever it was, we can we can think of a hundred examples. There was always um, those artists knew each other and worked together and visited each other and spoke to each other and there was a cafe society that went with it often, whatever it was, um, or they formed collectives um, like Cantor did with Krico in, in Poland. Uh, whatever the response was, there was, people were close to each other. There was intimacy, there was sensuality, there was um, an erotic energy that carried through the whole thing. Uh, and, and, you know, and that sounds funny to say, but, and I don't mean to go on about this, but when I first got to New York and I, my cousin, Jim Storm was in a, a play of Sam Shepard's and I went to see it mm-hmm. and it was great, you know, and I met Murray Mednick and a lot of people and everybody was meeting at this bar on the Lower East Side afterwards and getting drunk. And, you know, I don't know, some girl came by and, and I ended up with her and her apartment. I woke up in her <laughs> apartment and I thought, how did, how did I get here? Hmm. But I thought to myself, wow, this art stuff's pretty cool. <laughs> this, this, uh, I, could, I could get behind this, you know. Right, right. Uh, this is partying and hanging out with smart people and, um, and misbehaving. And that's all, that's all to the good. I feel like that energy has really just disappeared. Just right. disappeared. Right. We're all we're all on our own out here and there's no movements. The best we can do is what you and I are doing right now, in a sense, you know. Right. Well, um I think the 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 community network uh uh that's real, uh organic. Um, the, 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 the capitalism need that kind of uh, uh, structure. Um, it can't create it by itself. I think it needs real people, uh, good people with good intention. And um, and if you look at the uh, what happened to environmental activism, um, the momentum of real um, care and all those things are co-opted and uh, corporatized and commodified. And um, so um, I guess uh, the interesting thing about internet is that we do have some of that. And, uh, and the reason we have that is that we are perhaps in the process of uh, commodification uh, right before. Uh, yeah, it's so <laughs> interesting. 
No, but you're, you know, this is a sad thing to say, um, but you know, cause I do feel true sense of uh, community and relationship. You know, I mean, I, I regard you as a friend, you know, Corey too. And um, you know, it's fantastic. And, uh, and I, I, I um, uh, got to know some of the people when Occupy Wall Street uh, infamous <laughs> uh, yeah. was going on. And there was a feeling of passion and the true hope um, of something is happening when you stand among the crowd. But at the same time, we also know that what happened to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I mean, it's a, a dozen things are occurring to me as, as we're talking. And it's like, on the one hand, I see the extraordinary negativity in social media, the, the, the harm that the internet has caused. I mean, my current blog post is about that. And Ed Curtin sent me an article today that's almost the identical topic. Mm. Um, Molly Klein and I have talked about this endlessly. Right. Because it seems crucially important. And of course, Corey Morningstar, you, it's, um, it's, it's, you have to be aware of all the negative stuff. The fact that it's a, a massive surveillance platform, everything about you is going to be known. Okay, fine. You know, it's like, but I've also gotten to meet a lot of really great people, exchange ideas with great people. Um, and, and it seems worth it. Right now, it seems worth it. And you get word out to people and there's no other way to do it. So that's what you do. It's a trade-off and you try to, you know, you try to balance the, the fact that it's like this extraordinary um, uh, collection, data collecting, you know, surveillance um, platform that, that is, is archiving everything about you that you've ever said every keystroke you've ever made. But, uh, okay, so that's what's happening. We have the social media, but we, we're missing out on a lot of other things that, you know, that we don't have face-to-face -face contact. We don't. And then you hear these projects from Bill Gates and people, oh, well, all teaching is going to be online. And I think this is a horror show. You know, okay. this is the yeah. end. That's the end of Western civilization. When all instruction is on screen, that's the end. It's all over. Now, um, it's interesting to me that the people that object to the stuff I just said, the people that object to my political commentary or your political commentary or all of us who get <laughs> on these blogcasts, although there's a lot of variance and I don't want to speak for anybody else at all. Um, but I think that uh, the people who object to what we're saying and what we're suggesting, um, there's an enormous puritanical um, sex negative uh, uh, prudery that, I, that I'm, I don't know how else to put it. It's, um, it, it's, it's, I was talking with, with, a, a gay friend of mine who's actually going to be on this podcast, and he said it has occurred in, in, in the queer community as well, and it, it found expression in gay marriage. And stuff. This, 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 it's not even the bourgeoisification of anything. It is, the, it is something much more to do with, with 
the puritanical. It's it's sex negative. It's human negative. It's um, it's it's punitive and and punishing by its nature, you know, mm. and that's why the COVID thing frightens me a little bit because, look, it's not a real plague, but it seems like there's an awful lot of people out there that wishes it were, you know, that mm -hmm. wouldn't couldn't be happier if it turned out to you know be the Black Death. They would they you know they would never admit it, and maybe they don't even know it consciously. But I, but I feel like it's part of this. I, I hear it. It's, I hear it in people's remarks. You know, um, it's this hectoring, scolding voice. The voice that you can see the wagging finger. You know, um, attached to that voice. Uh, and and uh, it's 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 repressive and and retrograde somehow. It's it's um, it's something that frightens me, and I think that's that's the thing that has frightened me the most about about this pandemic has been that it has unleashed, it has given permission to a lot of buried impulses in people for the the the, the punitive, the to punish, stigmatize, ostracize, expel. Um, and and keep and it finds the like the allegory is children on the playground not allowed to step outside their chalk square you know that's mm -hmm. that's that's the symbol of this thing for me anyway mm -hmm. okay well um let's be anything else you want to touch on here before we this i feel like we scratched the surface as is usually how i feel with yeah i mean uh, there's so many things we could uh talk about and uh i i knew uh, it was gonna be sort of overwhelming <laughs> um <laughs> well, we'll I, do uh, it again we'll do it again yeah that that'll be wonderful that'll be wonderful yes um okay well let's leave it at that i hope you know you stay safe and um and free of the um the the growing uh <laughs> <laughs> the hair cuomo and his his um COVID Gestapo out there. It's frightening, actually, what's going on in New York. But anyway, I'm right. not going to beat on that again. Hiroyuki, <laughs> thank you very much for coming and chatting. We'll do it again. Yes, and, thank you so much. And uh, I'll be in touch otherwise, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yes, great. Okay, Have man. a great day. Yep, bye-bye.